Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. What's up? <laughs> I'm not... Not too much. I'm glad you remember to take yourself off mute when, <laughs> when the show started. Be nice to me. So what do you make? I know. So what are you making? You said you're whipping together a, a shake, or is it a smoothie, or what is it you're, you got going there this it's morning? It's a smoothie. It's my morning ah, ritual. Morning Strawberry, ritual to get the day started. Yogurt, yada yada yada. Oh, <laughs> well, what's what's the yada yada yada? <laughs> Almond milk what? and water and a little fiber. So there. Okay, good. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I wish I was. Uh, I wish I was there, and you were making me one. All right, we got a great show, everybody, this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here in just a moment uh, by a, a great uh, young lady from the Epson Tour, uh, Roberta Leedy. Uh, then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by Kevin Stansfield, the founder and director of Action Coach Salent. Uh, He's going to be joining us on the second half of the show. But let me just tell you a little bit uh, of uh, our first uh, special guest. Uh, Roberta is an Epson Tour player, also been on the LPGA as well. In her 2021 season, in a nutshell, uh, she played 18 events uh, with nine cuts made, uh, recorded a season best, tied for six at the Casino del Sol Classic. Uh, back in 2020, she played 10 events with five cuts made, and at that time her season best was uh, tied fifth, um, was her result at the then Symmetra Classic. Uh, and then finally in 2019, she played in 18 events with just six cuts made. Uh, so uh, pretty good start, not too bad. Uh, she's been playing out there for a few years. Um, but, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Roberta Levy. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have welcome. you. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Um, so, Cindy, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I want to go first. I always okay. let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Roberta, where are you go. from? Where'd you play college golf? Give us your story, please. So I'm from Italy, uh, in a small town in Italy, and uh, I moved to the U.S. when I started college in 2014. I played college golf for Arizona State. And um, I turned pro in December 2018 after I graduated. 
and that's about my background. We won a national championship at Arizona State with the team in 2017. So that's definitely the highlight. And now I'm here playing the Epson Tour this week and in Mesa, the Carlyle Classic. Awesome. So let me ask you a question. Do you – were you on the team with Alejandro or um, – Munoz? I was not. She graduated before me. Okay. My husband and I went down there and we did a team building session with the golf team with personality stuff. Where I know you know Kathy Murphy and Lynn and Pia. And, uh, right. Azahara, Azahara was on the team then, and I didn't know if you were on the team. I was going to look you up. I wasn't on the team yet. I believe she graduated a couple years before me. Before I started. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So what do you like most about the life you have chosen? I mean, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, the the society tries to scare you as a woman going into a professional career career and, like, how hard it is to be out there by yourself and how hard it is to, like, build a family, create a family, get married and all those things. But... So I was a little bit skeptical going into it, but I knew that if I didn't turn pro, I would have regretted it to not try. So I did turn pro, and actually I liked it a lot more than what I'd envisioned. I think it just like just being able to do what I've loved doing for like so many years and just be out there like playing golf and compete at a high level, I it's just living the dream and I honestly like it a lot. And I think it's a great life experience besides anything. What's the best? I, I totally agree with you. Cause I did the same thing. I, my dad had died when I was a junior at college. I went to the university of Miami and I wanted to play. I qual- tried to qualify for the tour on my first attempt and I missed it. So I drove to California all by myself to play on the mini tour. And when I think about it now, I'm like, I can't believe my mother let me do that. But I, thank right. God she did because you grow up, you learn how to be <laughs> accountable, responsible, you know. Um, yep. Anyway, so I'm very proud of you for doing that. What keeps you – so I'm just going to tell a short story. Every time I would miss the cut and I would come home, everybody would go, oh, what's the matter? What's wrong? I saw what you shot. And I'm like, oh, my God, why don't you shut up? <laughs> So so I said to my mom and her friends, I said, look, I'm coming home next week, and it's Be Nice to Cindy Week. I don't want to hear it. It's Be Nice to Cindy Week. So they made me a T-shirt that on the front of it says, I don't want to hear it, and on the back said, Be Nice to Cindy Week. How do you deal with people that give you crap that, you know, they just give you – they think it's so easy. It's not so easy. And being yeah. consistent is great. Yeah, you get you get a whole lot of everything. You get the people like in the family that that follow you and they're so invested and like they they ask you why what happened, why did you play bad? And it's like that's the last thing I want to talk about after I played bad is why I played bad. Give explanations to like my whole family and friends why I played bad. And then you get other people that uh, I find myself talking with people that are are in the in the sport, like they play the sport, I mean, not professionally, but they still play a lot and they love the sport. 
and they don't understand what it means to be a professional golfer, and they think they don't understand why it's so difficult to be a professional golfer, as in, like, they think it's a, you just get to play golf for a living. Like, what, what is it, why are you so stressed out? What what it, was there to be anxious about? And they just don't understand, and it's almost frustrating because I actually remember talking to somebody about Beatrice Ricari retiring to a more peaceful life. That was the title that of the 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 journal entry, and uh, and it was like, what what does she mean to a more peaceful life? And I'm like, yeah, it is a more peaceful life, probably outside of professional golf. After all the many years she played, and it's just so hard to get these people to understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. So I'm with you. If you need somebody to talk to, you call me because I'm on it. Okay. I will do Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you'd be in good, good company, Roberta. Um, so let me ask you, um, just to, to go back to the beginning of this season, did you play in the first event, the, the Florida Natural Charity Classic? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, first up, how did you do? Where, where did you finish? Um, and how did you feel overall after that event about your season this year? Did you feel that you played a, a strong round? Do you feel that maybe there's some things that need tightening up a little bit in your game? How was your overall feeling after you played the first event this season? Well, the first event of the season is always a little bit an unknown because we haven't played golf since literally end of October. So it's the mm-hmm. first tournament out. I missed the cut. I thought I played well. You know, you just can't quite put it together. And I feel like every every year I start the season, I miss the first cut of the year. And at this point, I'm like, I guess it's routine. You know, it's, it is what it is as long as you continue the season better than that. But I just, I, I just think that for us having a season that ends pretty much from like, November all the way up to March is such a mm-hmm. long stop. It doesn't really matter how well you prepare. And I even played in a mini tour event to warm up, but it's never the same as playing on the tour you care about. And mm-hmm. it's never the same amount of like pressure and like focus. So I feel like the first tournament is always a reality check on where you're at and, uh, and just, you know, just a warm-up, I guess, for the rest of the season, at least for me. So let me ask you, going back then to, you know, after your last event in October of last year until the first event, are you one who, you know, practice, 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 prepares, prepare, you know, playing whatever you can, or are you somebody that says, look, I need a break, and then maybe picks up a club, a few weeks before the first event of the next season? Are you somebody that, that sort of keeps it going? Because some people just want to, you know what, the season's over. Um, you know, they're going to practice. Certainly, they're going to practice and play a little bit. But for the most part, they're going to take some time off. Is that you, or do you somebody that sort of keeps a club in your hand, you know, for those three or four months until the next season? Right. Um, I always go right back home right after the season is over. So I flew home right after stage two, and um, I took a solid two, three weeks off, like nothing, no clubs, no working out, nothing. And then I knew, like, there were some things I really had to put my most focus on this off season, 
one of that was getting in like better shape just like you know I kept in the habit of like working out a lot more than I have been doing and then I had a, like other couple things to work on with my coach and like on putting so I I started right back I think it was the end of November so I probably took three weeks off and then I started back but as for as long as I was home which was until like January I was I was on a low practice schedule I would practice like three mm-hmm. at most four times a week or three four hours at most and just like just to keep it going and mm-hmm. keep everything in check and I worked out because that was the main focus and um and then once I flew back in January I mean I got COVID so my my fly right. back was delayed but besides that I was back mid-January instead of beginning of January and then for a month and a half it was what you can imagine at a full-time job, like from six to six. Right. So I mm-hmm. guess for the month and a half before, it's like 12 hours a day type of day. But before then, I definitely take it much easier because I want to make sure that when I have to practice a lot more, I'm rested and ready for it. Very good. So uh, I want you to, for a moment, I know you have a coach. You, you mentioned that you had a coach. Um, but I yep. want you to be your, your own coach for a second. I want you to sort of step out of, outside of yourself, if you know what I mean, and I want you to mm-hmm. assess your game. What, what is it that um, you're most confident with, and what areas do you, do you feel, um, honestly, that you struggle with um, for the most part, and what do you think you need to do? If you were your own coach and you were going to give you advice or direction, what would that be? So sort of assess your game for us. So for the longest time being my long game, for, for as a first, my iron play is definitely my biggest asset, and then my distance off the tee surely helps. So those are two things that, that have definitely improved in the years, but it's a solid point that I have. And mm-hmm. my putting has been my... Uh, my weakness for the longest time and I've tried to like just improve it a little bit every year and like that's definitely what as of today is what keeps me from probably or what has kept me until now let's put it that way to going up moving up to the LPGA and uh, this is probably from from a technical standpoint my short my short game is okay it's not outstanding but with the iron play and the long game that I have, if I could just putt a little bit better, I think that would be a huge difference in my game because, I mean, at the end of the day, we got to make putts to win. And so this is probably where my game is at right now. And even last week I played and my game was the same. I just had 35 putts the first day. And then with 35 putts, it doesn't matter how many greens you hit. You're not going to score very well. Right. So this is where I'm at right now, and I think I think if I could figure out a little bit how to get, you know, out of my own head as a, as far as putting, like I've seen like a thousand putting coaches, which is great, but there is a lot more to putting. So if mm-hmm. I could get a little bit of the, you know, the little kid instinct when I'm on the green, I think that would mm-hmm. make a huge difference this season. And what specifically about your putting are you struggling with? Is it distance control? Uh, is it uh, 
not reading the, the, the putts as much or as well as you'd like? What, what area in your putting is really giving you the struggle? So last year, um, I was struggle. I wasn't very confident on my green reading, which was like mm-hmm. pretty much high balls. And because of that, that caused a lot of other insecurities when it came to putt. Right. So this winter, I mm-hmm. took an eight point course, and now my green reading, I think it's it's pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. So at this point, mm-hmm. it's truly, in my opinion, about a little bit getting out of the motion of it and just trying to see it and let my subconscious just take over and putt because my putting if you look at on it on a in a camera on a on video it's like fine it's better than most but there is again so much more to putting like about right like just getting out of the just the technical motion of it that is only going to take you so far mm-hmm. no i so agree just, um and um, can I ask a question? Yep. Yep. Go ahead, Cindy. Do you know if you're linear or nonlinear? Have you ever been tested for that? Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, as I've done like on and off in point in the years, I I feel like I've tried to switch to a linear a linear putter like player, and um, I think deep down when I was putting well when I was twelve. And I didn't have very much in my head, and I was putting well. I was more like I did not see like a, like a straight line. I would see more like a curve. So probably that's part of it. I want to say. So have you been? So here's the question: Has anyone tested you with a laser? No, nobody's tested me. Where do you live when you're not playing? Uh, I live in Florida when I'm not playing. Okay, I'm coming to. I'm. So here's the catch. Okay. Long story short, my husband played on the PGA Tour for 15 years. He played in the Masters five times, and okay. he was always ranked in the top 10 to 25 in fairways and greens hit and regulation. And he was always way down the list in putting. Well, when you hit a lot of greens and regulation, you're going to have more putts unless you knock it three feet all the time, right? Yeah. So he was friends with Dave Pelz and before Dave Pelz was anybody that anybody knew. And so he never could get better. So he played and he finally said, I've had enough. I don't want to play anymore. I want to teach. So we've been teaching forever. Well, I went to a tournament where this kid that was playing, we have a son that played at Augusta State and Mm -hmm. he was playing in a tournament and this kid made everybody look at, I wanted to go over and slap this kid. And so I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen anybody make so many putts. So I asked his father, what does he do? Well, he went to see this guy, Mike Shannon, and Mike Shannon tested him. So long story short, I found Mike Shannon. We went to Mike Shannon, and he he tested us with a a laser and said, well, neither one of you see straight lines. You see curved lines, and you can test someone with a laser. So when we get done, somehow my email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com. You should email me. And maybe we could do it via Zoom. This will okay. change your life. So Alan went, and he was, oh, my God, I thought there was something wrong with me, right? Yep. You, if you don't see straight lines, you cannot, cannot, cannot use aim point the way they tell you to aim point. It will screw you right. up, and you'll miss every single putt from the equal distance that you think it's going to break. 
Right. And it sounds very sense. confusing, but we could do a Zoom call and I can help you. And then, Let's do it. then you can be you, you know? And and I'm the yep. same way. I was so weird. I went to – so I play on the Legends Tour, and I played on the LPGA yep. Tour for three years, but of the best in the world, I was the worst. So, you know, you're good, <laughs> but you suck. And so, right. um, <laughs> you know the feeling. So <laughs> – I went to a parking, I bought a parking lot paint striper, and I'm like, I've got to learn to aim. And it always looked crooked to me. So we might find the reason and unlock the putting, because I just looked, and you hit it too far for a little punk. So if we can help you putt like Cameron Smith, um, you're going to kill everyone. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. Okay, I'll write it down. Yeah, we'll give it to you again before uh, before uh, we finish with you this morning, just to make sure. But uh, you know, that's that's an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Cindy, because you know you'd be surprised at how many players might fall into that category where they're not seeing a straight line. And people say, well, "What are you talking? About? How can you not see a straight line?" But everybody's vision uh, is different, and um, you know, and everybody is different in general. So. Um, that may be, as Cindy pointed out, Roberta, that might be something that could unlock some answers for you and may drastically change the way you pot, um, which obviously, you know, is going to be a great thing. And and at the very least, you're going to learn something else that may help you. um, And one thing I was going to say before before Cindy uh, uh, mentioned that was the one positive thing that I I heard from you um, about your putting was that each year it's getting a little better, so you're going in the right direction, uh, which is which is a good thing. Um, I want to ask you something before before we let you go. We got a few more minutes here. Um, I happened to be searching around before uh, you came on um, this week, and I see that you and Vicki Hurst are friends, and you guys have done some YouTube videos together on uh, a site called Rocky Golf. Uh, tell us a little bit how did yep. that come about and. And what was it? Uh, obviously, you, you both look like you're having a lot of fun doing that. What was the reason behind that? Why did you decide to do that together? So what happened was during COVID, we couldn't play, and, but we would still go out at the course because there wasn't much else to do besides going to the golf course. So we started going to the course and just putting stupid videos, stupid instructional videos, on our stories. <laughs> and people kept saying, this is awesome give us more, give us more. And then we looked at each other and we said, listen, we have nothing to do for the next, uh, whoever knows how many months. So let's start a YouTube channel and let's do Tip Tuesday. And that's how we started. And Vicky was very skeptical. She thought I was kidding. And I said, I'm dead serious. Let's buy a tripod and let's shoot videos. And she was like, okay, let's do it. So we, we decided a couple of topics we wanted to touch base on and, we got some other players on it in some in some videos in some episodes, and we started doing it. And I think we did a few of them, and then yep. season started again. And the the catch was a little bit that the the better you get, it takes less time to shoot the videos, but it takes a long a lot more time to edit them. So we got yes, to a point that it took me about five hours to edit the last videos, and it was in the middle of the season. So we said, I think we need to take a break. <laughs> so we did a few, like I, I want to say we did 12 or 13 videos. And mm-hmm. 
and we said we're going to restart it at some point. It, maybe if we find somebody that edits the videos for us, because, again, once you're in season, you don't really have four hours of your time to edit videos. So, but we had a lot of fun. We got a lot of positive feedback, and I think I think it was helpful for us, too, as in, you know, we learned how to be better in front of a camera or, like, the, mm-hmm. Just a lot of things, you know, about ourselves too, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And I don't know if you caught on that, but Rocky Golf is Robbie and Vicky, so Rocky, that's how Rocky Golf right. uh, came up, and then right. we started stamping ball makers. So that was the next thing we did. <laughs> well, I think it's great, yeah. and I saw some of the videos, and uh, you guys uh, both did a good job. And uh, now, are you going to keep that going when you have some free time that you're able to do that? I know it's tough when you get in the thick of the season, but are you guys going to keep uh, plugging away at some more videos uh, down the road? Uh, yeah, we're thinking about it for sure, for sure. Maybe we're trying to switch to a like more like known platform like TikTok yep. or Instagram Reels, so it takes less time and it's still like productive. Let's put it that way. Like we can get information out in a shorter mm-hmm. time. So that's probably what we are looking at next. Well, I'll tell you what, Cindy, I won't do it now because it's uh, we're out of time, but Cindy, um, when Roberta communicates with you, give her my email, and Roberta, reach out to me. Um, I'm the owner of Golf Tips Magazine, and I'd maybe uh, we have a YouTube channel as well, and as well as the website where we post videos, and um, we might be able to put something together and have you guys uh, showcase some videos on our uh, platforms. So, um, Cindy, yeah, if you wouldn't yeah. mind when... Yeah, I'd, I'd, so I'd yeah. like to talk to you. I mean, I know you're you're coming into the thick of a tournament this week, so um, but maybe over the next couple of weeks, uh, if you reach out to me um, and just say, you know, hey, yeah, uh, sure. here's... Okay, because, yeah, I'm serious. I mean, cause I, I thought they were really, uh, really good, and, and uh, I, I was thinking about it. The wheels were turning, as they say, last night. And I was thinking, uh, you know, I would like to talk to, uh, you know, both you and, and Vicky, but uh, I'll start with you. Um, but so Cindy yeah, will give you my sure. email address, and you can you can reach out to me, and, and then we'll try to make something happen there. But I think it'll be a lot of fun. But, um, well, listen, good good luck this season. Um, Thank you. Much Thank continued you. success. And remember the most important thing, Roberta, is go out and have fun. Yep, I agree. I agree for sure. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I enjoyed it. Have a great day. You You're too. welcome. Thank you, Roberta. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was Roberta Leete, uh, Epson Tour player, uh, getting ready to play her second event of the season. This is the second event, actually, of the Epson Tour uh, starting this week, so uh, we certainly wish her luck. Um, I'm going to introduce our next guest because I see he's on board, and uh, we'll have a great chat with him as well. Our next uh, guest is uh, Kevin Stansfield. He is the founder and director of Action Coach Solent. Um, he uh, has built uh, this firm with the purpose of helping as many SMEs, which is small to medium-sized uh, enterprises in the local area, to become as successful as they can for themselves and for the benefit of the economy as a whole. Uh, with a great team surrounding him, uh, they aim to coach, train, motivate, and support local business owners and executives who want to take their businesses to the next level. And he is also the author of a very interesting book uh, called The Great Game, How Lessons from the Great Game of Golf Can Help You Win the Equally Great Game of Business. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Kevin Stansfield. Good morning. Hi there, Cindy. How are you doing? 
Good. Good, good, good. Thank you for joining us. That's quite right. Nice, nice to be uh, on the other side of the pond. Uh, <laughs> what time is it there? Uh, we are just uh, afternoon, so 1.30 uh, p.m. Not too oh. bad. Uh, yeah, so, no, not, not too bad. Not too bad. We are, I think our clocks change at the end of this month, so uh, I think we're, uh, we're only at about four or five hours difference at the moment. So, uh, Very good. Awesome. Well, awesome. Kevin, my name, yeah, Ke- Kevin, my name is Ted, and uh, thank you for joining us as well. I appreciate it this morning. So give us an idea uh, of why you, did, uh, why you wanted to write this book. It's a very interesting title. And I couldn't agree more. I think golf and, and business uh, have become so intertwined over the years. Uh, what was the purpose behind this book? I think the, the, the main reason I wrote it was when I'm coaching clients, uh, I use analogies a lot. So, you know, if, if this business was a football team, you know, what would we, we be doing? And uh, as, as you said, you know, a lot of business people play golf. Uh, so some of the analogies turned into golfing analogies, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we were approaching this as a golf match, how would we be approaching it? So it, it got clients out of their sort of mindset of this is my business and, and it becomes quite blinkered into a little bit more solution-based thinking. And uh, so I'd use these analogies for a lot of time and I was also I've only really been playing golf myself for the past sort of 12 years um, so I was in that learning phase in, in my own golf of practicing and wanting to be better at the game so I could actually see mm-hmm. that I was going through the same <clears throat> process within my golf as I, as I was coaching my clients in business um, and then COVID hit uh, last year mm-hmm. um, I'm sort of you know working through that but couldn't play golf or couldn't do anything else so I thought I'll take all of these ideas and see if I can uh, turn it into a book which is uh, mm-hmm. the end result was the great game very interesting um, let me ask you another uh, question I found interesting I was looking through some of the uh, information that that obviously you provided and, and that I could uh, source out as well and one of the interesting things uh, that caught my attention was um, you make the reference that games are a reflection of our behavior. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so, so what we find is um, you know, we, we can behave in any way we want to. So when you see somebody at work, certainly for the first time, sometimes it's a bit of an act. So they'll put on a, you know, a, a strength of character because that's what they think that you want to see. It's very difficult to, to put on that front when you're playing a game. So right. when you, so you're playing somebody and you see, start to see them cheating at, at golf or swearing or throwing their clubs around, you know, that's really what you're seeing is the true person coming through uh, in that game itself. So, so how we play a game of golf is often how we run our businesses, how we live our lives, because you, you're right. not putting on an act when you're actually in, in that sort of you know, game mentality. So. Yeah, and I couldn't agree wholeheartedly uh, with that, um, Kevin, because I've, over the years, have taken many um, uh, clients to the golf course. I'm a teacher professional, as Cindy is, and I take a lot of my clients out. It's always interesting to see how they, not so much how they perform, I mean, whether the swing is good or not, that's what we're there to work on. But one of the things that I always notice is how do they conduct themselves? And I think it's, you're exactly right. I think it's a good 
um, a good way of seeing how they, you know, if they're going to cheat or they're going to get angry or frustrated out in the golf course, what are they like behind the desk or in the, the boardroom or what have you um, in their business? So it kind of yeah. sometimes, you know, gives you an indication of do I really want to do business with this individual uh, or maybe do I want to pass this potential prospect? And it's a great indicator. I mean, you know, in sales calls and things like that, you know, you might only have a few minutes on the phone, uh, so you don't really get a chance. But you get them out in the golf course for two or three or four hours, and you get a pretty good indication of that person's character. So I, I agree with, with that statement and, and the fact that it is a way of, of seeing their behavioral patterns and gives you an idea of whether or not that's somebody maybe you want to do business with. So I, I really like that, uh, that statement. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Can you tell us what Action Coach Salent is? What do you do? Uh, so, so, so Action Coach is a, is a global uh, co business coaching organization. It's been running for about 30 years now. Uh, started in Brisbane, Australia, uh, and then has gradually sort of, uh, you know, there's offices ac across the globe. Um, and I, I run uh, an office down in Southampton, which is the south coast of England. Uh, and so gen generally, well, up until COVID, was very much looking after local businesses. Uh, since uh, the world has changed and we're now much more online, then my reach is a little bit further afield now. So, uh, but we've got uh, there's action coaches. If you look up action coach, there'll be coaches in uh, in America. You know, we've got a big contingent in Florida, uh, but across the states. Um, and as I said, we're, I think about 85 to 90 countries across the world now. But our, our very similar to you know you guys as uh, golf pros who take a, a good golfer and make them better. We we take good business people and look to make them better you know, in, in the same way. So we use a lot of sports psychology and bring it into into the business world. Um, and that, that was again was the essence of this book was seeing where the two overlap and uh, and what can we learn from you know in the in the coaching world in the golf world what could you learn from the business world and vice versa got it so you coach individual people not businesses yes you, businesses are just a, a group of individual people <laughs> so we, we commonly work with ceos and business owners uh, i mean my expertise is probably the owner managed business you know at the uh, probably first, second, third generation where it's been handed down to sons and daughters. Uh, I've got a, a big contingent of those clients. And so they're, they're on the journey of, of building a successful business that will work without them. But, you know, no one teaches you when you start a business how to play the game of business. Same as, you know, it's a bit like a golfer who starts playing golf, never has a lesson, you know, and, and then five years after they've played, they come to you with this god-awful swing and you're sort of thinking, oh my God, how, how do I change this now into something that they can actually hit the ball properly? Well, I get that with business people that, you know, think, well, if they'd started with me on day one, you know, and learned how to run a business successfully from day one, they probably wouldn't be in the state they are at the moment. So. Right. Got it. Right. Well said. Um, so, Kevin, let me ask you um, another statement that you, you made. Um, you talk about the mastery takes 10,000 hours. Um, I've heard, yeah. obviously, that uh, be before. So give us an idea. Of, sort of unpack that a little bit. What do you mean? So, 
I mean, there's there's been studies on this, and it is a bit of a you know, a generalisation. Um, uh, a guy called Matthew Said is a with the the British number two uh, table tennis champion, and I think I've read one of his books, and he he looks into the psychology of why it takes ten thousand hours to master something, um, and it's that whole adage of you know we we see people who are good at something, so we we watch the TV and we look at uh, you know Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and these guys, and we go oh yeah we'd love to I'd love to play like you, um, but what we've often forget is they, these guys started when they were, you know, Tiger Woods, I think, two years old, you know, Rory when he was sort of, you know, uh, you know very, very young. And these guys practiced every single day for, you know, for days, for hours. So it was their dedication to actually the one thing that they wanted to be great at that makes them masters. Um, and And when we look at business, there are so many elements to a business from sales, marketing, finance, recruiting people, motivating people, let alone the actual you know, job that you do, you know, what you sell, that each one of those areas takes 10,000 hours to master. So when you, when you have your own business and you're trying to do multiple things, um, you know, it's, it becomes very sort of, you know, it's why it takes so long to actually be good at it. And that's why I did talk in, in the book about, um, you know, the tools of the trade. So within, within golf, it's not actually one sport. It's not one game. There's probably four or five games within the game. There's the game of driving. There's the game of long irons. There's the game of mid irons. There's the game of short irons, pitching, bunkers, putting. You know, all of these you know, techniques take 10,000 hours, each of them to master. So you could be great off the tee, but if you can't putt, you'll never win anything. So, uh, and that's right. why I think golf, for me, is, is, is so addictive and why it's a continual improvement, you know, that you never, you know, even the, the best players in the world, you know, are always learning, they're always trying to master, you know, the mm. next level. Um, and exactly the same is true in business. The successful business people, the Richard Branson's of this world, you know, they, they never mm. stopped learning. They never stopped trying to master it, even though we look at them and think, Wymer, you're, you're so successful. There's a continual desire to get better at it. And, and that's what I look for in my clients when I'm, I'm looking to, to coach them and probably what you do when you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, your clients to coach them. It's the ones that are willing to learn and want to take that lesson and, and then continue at it. You know, the, the person that comes in and says, can you just fix my driving and, you know, here's 50 quid, right. that's one lesson, <laughs> I want to be perfect. Well, we all know that's never going to happen. Uh, and, right. But it's the, you know, the desire to learn is, is going to be key to that. And that's, that's what I talk about in one of the chapters about the types of players that, uh, you know, I talk about four types of players. There's the beginner who mm-hmm. really wants to learn because they can't hit, hit the ball. Um, you then get the learner who's then dedicated to actually taking lessons and improving. But at some point, you know, ideally you'd go on to become the master, but that takes a lot of time and effort. A lot of people drop into what I call the lifestyle golfer who, you know, hits a handicap, they're 18 handicaps, they can go around, they don't embarrass themselves, they have good days, bad days, but golf isn't their total priority. So, they're good enough to play, 
and and that's mm-hmm. why they don't then pursue to be better because actually reducing your handicap makes the game a little bit harder to play. Um, and right. that's what I find in business is, you know, there are the beginners, there are the improvers, there's the masters that are making lots of money at it. But a lot of people drop into the lifestyler where their business is good enough. It's okay. It's making them some money, but is, is it really achieving their full potential? You know, and if they really committed to it and pushed it to that next level, could they actually play the game at a higher level? And same, same, same with golfers. And that's, that's the type of people I look for is those people that are they're, they're okay where they are. They're not playing it badly, but they just want to play that little bit better and are willing to dedicate the time, effort, and a bit of money to, to help them get there. Yeah, and, and you raise a very interesting point, um, Kevin, with that is, you know, we often see on our um, side of the things, you know, we see exactly that where you'll get players coming in, they'll take a lesson or two, they want to be able to hit farther, whatever the case is, and then they get into sort of a holding pattern. They get into a comfort zone, if you will, and they don't want to step out of that comfort zone, and I'm sure you see that in business as well. And you make an interesting, uh, another point as well, that not enough people use or even value coaches, and we see that as well, as we just pointed out. Um, you know, they'll come and they'll say, well, I want to hit it farther, or, you know, I want to be able to do this or that, um, but then they don't want to put the effort in either. They don't really listen to the coach. Yeah. They'll take a few lessons and they'll do a few things, but they don't, um, they don't really put it into practice for more than a, you know, a moment or two, and then they just sort of fall back into the same struggles and difficulties they had before, and they say, well, that, just, you know, that coach didn't really help me, or you know, that teaching pro didn't really give me the, the information I thought I was going to get, and, and then they just move on to something else. So in a case like that, how do you, how do you again, obviously with golf and, and business, you know, there's a money factor. People say, well, I don't want to be you know, spending thousands of dollars on lessons, but as you pointed out, the best players in the world and, and business people are continually learning. So when you, when you face somebody like that that really doesn't want to put the effort in, what do you say to them? What's the conversation that you say to them, um, and how do you motivate them to say, look, you know what, you need some help. This is what we're here for. This is what your golf coach is here for. Here's how you're, it's going to help you change yourself moving forward. What do you say to them? It, it's a t- it's, it really is a tough one because if they really mean it, then I tend to walk away because there's no point. You know, I, the one right. thing I say to my clients is, look, I, what I can't give you is the vision of where you want to get to yeah, and the mm-hmm. motivation to do what, what it's going to take to get there. You, you've got to bring that to the game. Yeah. If you bring that to the game, then I can help you achieve it quicker and easier than you would do on your own. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's only two things in life that motivate people. Okay, One is moving towards something, and one is moving away from something. So you're either moving away from pain. In other words, I don't want to keep losing golf balls. Uh, right. I don't want to show myself <laughs> up in front of my mates. Uh, that's probably mm-hmm. the biggest motivator. Okay, so so what you tend to find is people will play with people plus or 10% different to where they are. So you won't won't get a 21 handicapper playing consistently with a scratch golfer. They'll play once or twice, but not consistently because, you know, they will look at that person and get frustrated. So they they will actually be saying, I've got to get down to single figures because all my mates are single figure golfers. So they will be motivated away from being the worst player to becoming a better player. 
But that do you think Kevin Law? Sorry, please go ahead. Finish your thought. So all I'm saying is that move away from pain will only ever take you as far as out of pain. So as soon as I get to right. the level of my mate, plus or minus 10%, then I'm likely to go back into that comfort zone. What takes right. you out of that then is the desire to actually be better. You know, it's, it's moving towards something. And that's far harder to actually to get because we see that with people that I want to be fitter, I want to be thinner. You know, I want a better life. Well, are you prepared to do what it takes to get that? Most people aren't. Uh, but if the reward right. is good enough or the mental picture of that is good enough, then you will do it. Uh, but it's a harder one to actually generate. Moving away from pain is much, right. much easier. Right. And, and do you think also part of it is um, a fact or a lack of not really setting um, goals or not attainable goals? In other words... They might set goals, but they're not realistic. Um, in other words, it's not sort of a stair-step uh, set of goals. Um, obviously, you have an overall goal. You want to become a better player, but there's steps along the way that have to happen in order to get to that ultimate goal. Do you think that's part of the yeah. reason that we see so many people fail is they just don't really have a game plan. They don't really put anything together and say, okay, here's what I want to accomplish, and I've got to do some things. And that also, again, detracts them from putting forth that additional effort because it's a lot of work. I mean, it's not just something yeah. that you can snap your fingers. What do you think? No, I, absolutely. I mean, ch ch chapter two of the book is actually called The Goal. Uh, it's that important that it's, the, you know, it's the second. After understanding what the game is, you know, mm -hmm. every game you play has a goal. So if you play Monopoly, you know, you know when you start that game what the goal is. And that's why you play the game. So you know what winning is. You know what losing is. And, you know, if you don't set goals in life, then you, you're not going to move forwards. You know, it's, that's, we are goal-seeking missiles. You know, that's where our brains are designed to set a goal. You know, back in the Stone Age days, it was go out, you know, feed, feed yourself, feed the family. That's, that's the basic level goal. But we're now in a more comfortable lifestyle where we, don't, we can just, you know, pick up the phone and food is delivered the next day. So we have to replace that with, you know, goals that we set ourselves, you know, smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic in a time frame, but also inspiring goals, emotional goals, goals that make us excited. But, but I think the biggest fear is the fear of losing. Okay, and certainly mm -hmm. in business, because if you lose in business, it's not just losing the game of business, you can lose your house, your family, you know, your life. So, so when the stakes are that high, what we we don't always give our all to it because you know it's a bit like the in golf would be the water shot. You know, if, I, I don't know if you watch the, the play or you must watch the players. You know, the the seventeenth. Mm. You know, uh, yep. they were hitting across that water. You know, the the fear of actually going in the water causes you to go in the water. You know, right. they, they can hit that shot on a on a normal course day in, day out, and they wouldn't get it anywhere near where the water is. But because the water's there and they can see it, and they go, oh, shit, don't go in the water, don't go in the water, well, the first thing you do is tense up and it goes in the water. Right. Um, so, 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 so we've, got, we've got to set goals, but also accept that, you know, it's okay to, to fail. You know, if you set a goal to be the world's number one, chances are you're not going to achieve it. 
you know, more more mm. likely not to achieve being the world number one than you have <clears throat> being the world number one. But if you want it enough, if your goal and your desire is strong enough, then you'll be who you need to be, and you'll do what it takes to actually achieve it. Yeah, and I think it's I think the goals obviously they they have to be somewhat achievable. Obviously, like you said, if you're trying to be number one, I mean, that's a pretty high bar to set. Um, but at the same time, they've got to be realistic goals as well, and, and especially the smaller goals leading you to the bigger goal. They've got to be realistic and attainable because if they're not, then you're just constantly defeating yourself. And, yeah, you're going to have failures, as you point out, along the way, but if you're not really um, setting something that uh, kind of gets you over a hurdle here and there, um, then it's not going to give you the momentum to, to want to move forward or the desire to want to move forward. So very interesting, um, some of the thoughts there. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Tell us the problem you solve. So who's your perfect customer or client? Uh, the, problem, the problem, I think the, the, per, the perfect client, as, as I was sort of saying there, is the person that, has got to a certain level, from my perspective, has got to a certain level in their business and is doing doing well. You know, it's, they've got a good business, it's making money, um, but they, they, they look at themselves and go, do you know what, you know, if it stays as, as it is now, in 10 years' time, you know, am I going to be satisfied with what I've achieved? Because if, if you've got to that point, you say 10 years' time, yes, I'm, I'm going to be over the moon. I've achieved far more than I ever thought I could ever achieve. Then you're probably not going to want to do what it takes to go to the next level. So for me, in business, the, the, one of the biggest goals and why you would start a business in the first place is to get financial freedom. You know, it's to be able to be financially free so you don't have to work you know, ever again. Now, you can choose to work because you know, if you play the game well, then why wouldn't you? But it's, it's that ability to, you know, not have to work. Now, I've got clients in their 20s that are going to achieve financial freedom by the time they're early 30s. Yeah, and I've got people in their 60s who, you know, might struggle to get there by the time they're 70. But if you've got that desire to actually you know, build a business that can provide that financial freedom, either because it can be run without you, so it, it pays you money when you don't have to work, or most likely is at some point you'll look to sell the business and have enough money from when you sell it to actually invest in assets, and those assets then provide you with a, with a regular income. And, and what I put this into the golfing world is, you know, if you look at the, the golfers we see on the TV are the, the 1%. Okay, they're the creme de la creme. You're even down to the, I mean, I can't remember the guy's name, the Indian guy who was 323rd in the world and he came second. Ranieri. Even at, three, Ranieri. even at 323 in the world, he's still in the 1%, less than 1% mm -hmm. of the world. The majority of, of golf players out there on tour you know, on the lower tours, you know, they're playing to pay the bills. If they, if they stop playing tomorrow, they've got no income coming in. So the pressure that they have at that level, you know, is really tough. You know, I'm, I'm playing today to pay for the next tournament, the next tournament, the next tournament. And that pressure, as we know, golf is a mental game as well as a physical game, that pressure, I think, for a lot of people 
is, is a far harder one to overcome and why they never give their... They've got the talent to be great, but because of that mental pressure of paying the bills can mean that they're not performing. And the same is true in business. People are running their business, trying to pay the bills and not allowing themselves to go to the next level and play at, you know, at, a, at a higher level. I, I don't know this for, for fact. You know, it's just my, my assumption. But I would guess when you get to a certain point and you've won a tournament or you've, you know, you've paid all your bills off and you've got enough money in the bank, you know, pretty much never to have to play golf again, that's when you can really enjoy playing golf. Because you know, I'm not me, playing because I need to earn the money. I'm playing now because I just love playing the game. And, and money, right. if I win, that's great. But it's more about the accolade of winning a tournament than it is the paycheck at the end of it. Otherwise, the likes of you know, Tiger Woods, why would they bother coming back? They've got more money than they could ever spend. And they come back because of the love of the game, not because it's paying the bills. Right. So my question to you is, for a business person, what is the negative motivation or the problem that you help them solve? So I understand, so, yeah, I want to get to the next level, but what's the problem that you solve for them? So the problem will be, you know, when, when, you, when you've got a, a business that's working, you know, this is not startup, this is a few years in, then you'll either be working too many hours, so, so you're probably the hardest working employee in your business. Okay, you're doing 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you know, and, and definitely don't have time to play as much golf as you want to play. Um, so, so it will be, you know, I'm working too many hours, and if I was to double the size of my business, geez, I, I can't work twice as hard as I'm currently working. So I, there's no point in doubling the size of my business because that's just going to make me busier. Yeah? If you look at successful businesses, the person that works that appears to work the least is is the owner or the, the boss, the MD. You know, the team are working hard, you know, doing the activity that the owner, the, the MD, CEO is actually orchestrating. So it's a bit like a, a concert. You know, they're not playing the instruments, they're actually conducting the orchestra. So so time is, is probably number one. Number two is I'm not making enough money. So, you know, I'm working really hard and I'm, I'm not earning as much money as I really want to. Okay, I should be earning, you know, $100,000 yeah, a year for, for taking the risk I am and doing the work I am. And so my business needs to grow in order to make more profit to pay me more money. And the third one is, is the team. That, you know, I'm building a team around me, but my team are not working as well as they should be. You know, they're, they're, they're constantly asking me for help. You know, and, and I haven't been able to build a team that I can rely on and actually leave to run my business for the next six months while I go down to Florida, you know, or go off to uh, you know, the Masters and spend a month playing golf, you know, and the team will run my business for me. So I'm having to come back and babysit it all the time. But generally those three mm -hmm. things, Cindy, is working too many hours, I don't have enough team or don't have enough money. And then add into that financial freedom that, you know, I can't see how I'm ever going to sell this business, you know, uh, and then be able to retire off the proceeds. Got right. it. Well said. Well, uh, Kevin, we want to thank you. We know you've, you've got to run because you've got a, 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 I think you said you had a Zoom call or something you got to get to, so we'll let <laughs> yeah. you go anyways as we wrap up. But um, 
very quickly, uh, for those that want to reach out, what, what's the website they can go to get more information about uh, uh, Action Coach uh, Solent? And then also, very quickly, uh, if they want to get a copy of your, your book, where can they best way to go about doing that? Yeah, so I, I would say the best place to find about Action Coach, because I'm, I'm in South uh, England, but mm. we've got coaches around the world, so it's actioncoach.com. Is the um, is the, sort of the, the the full site where you can find all the coaches around. Uh, for the book, it's on Amazon, so it's the easiest way. Uh, if you just type in the Great Game, uh, and then put my name, Kevin Stansfield, uh, my my book will come up there. And uh, please, yeah, yeah, I'd love love your sort of listeners to uh, to grab a copy of it. Um, and uh, and you know, give me some reviews and let me know what you think because you know, I think uh, if you're into golf and you, you you you're into business as well, I think you'll get some some great learnings from this book and hopefully uh, mean that you can play both games, you know, both golf and business a little bit better at the end of reading it. So. Well awesome. said. Thank you well, Kevin, so much. Yeah, we want to thank you for joining us this morning, Kevin, and uh, much continued success. And thank you for coming on and sharing your time with us this morning on the Women of Golf. Yes. Been a pleasure. Many thanks. Take care. Uh, bye for now. All right. Yep. Bye bye. All right, Cindy. That's uh, another uh, another show under our belts, as they say. Uh, very interesting. You know, it, it's uh, um, you know he raised a lot of interesting points, and um, I think um, you know whether it's business or golf, you you have to have goals, you have to be realistic, and you have to also. Um, you know, reach out to those in whether it be business or in our case where it's uh, golf. Reach out to your, uh, you know, your local uh, uh, golf professional or, or coach, if you will, depending on the level you want to play, um, and get some help with your game if you want to improve. So some interesting points that he made. And uh, also we want a special thanks again to Roberta Leedy. Uh, much continued success uh, on the Epson Tour this year and, and reaching your goals. But uh, on that note, uh, we're going to wrap things up. We want to thank everybody for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. On behalf of, uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.